0: Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes. To all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey, everyone. We got an exciting show for you today. We have Anna Kelly with us. Yes, yes, yes. She's usually on Wednesdays. But as you were here, she's been very busy this week, and she uh, agreed to give us some time on her Friday evening. So Anna, thank you very much. How are you?
1: I'm great, Michael. Haven't been better. Busy, busy, <laughs> but very good.
0: Yeah. So uh, let's catch everybody up. You've been buying, trying to buy a beach house that was going to be part Airbnb, part family. Uh, family thing forever. And uh, last we heard it was looking good. You were all approved. And then you know what? Friday of last week happened. So let's catch everybody up.
1: So it's funny, Michael, we've been talking about, you know, from the beginning when we talked about this deal and I told you I was excited, but yet you never know with this market, what's going to happen. And the deal has to work out exactly as I designed it and planned it. Otherwise I was going to walk away. Right. So the way that we had to design it for those that haven't heard it before is I was only buying this property because I got it for about 150 below market first, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to get in with 10% down. And if you buy a property as a second home that you're truly planning to use as a second home, you're allowed to rent it out a little bit, but you can't use the income that it'll produce to qualify for the mortgage. So Um, they basically have to approve you based upon you can afford the second home and the first home, even if you didn't ever rent it out. So with that, you can get much better financing, like 30 year amortization, three and a quarter percent interest on a second home, 90% down. That's how it was before COVID. So my lender said, sure, we can do 90% financing. We thought, great, if we do it, we do it. So then we found out very quickly, things have changed because of COVID. (laughs) Yes. So I couldn't get a first for 80% and a second for 10 or a first for 90 and put 10% down. Because it was a jumbo loan, there wasn't any more market post-COVID for, po- for bigger than jumbo. Okay. So they said, okay, Anna, we'll do a 70% first mortgage. And we have a federal credit union we work with that'll give you a HELOC for 20% for the second. Okay. So okay. you essentially get a mortgage and a HELOC together at the same time so that you can get 90% LTV financing. I said, amazing, that's great. And the second, oh, by the way, is interest-only payments. Okay. So you've got okay. some time to pay it off and you know we get some rental income there to help pay for it. So yeah. everything was right. great. Got approval for the first, got verbal approval for the second a we almost two weeks ago. Okay. And they said everything's good, but we need two weeks more to close because we're busy, we're backed up, you just gotta, you know, extend it. Okay. So we got an extension from the seller. Right. Friday, I I was told Friday morning everything looks good. We're on schedule to close Tuesday. Yeah. Right before 5 p.m. Eastern time, my time, Friday, I got a call with bad news. Oh, no. My second was pulled. And I said, what do you mean it was pulled? And they said, well, you were approved, but someone's decided at the, at the credit union, they're not comfortable with lending to an investor. Oh. So they didn't believe that I was going to use it primarily as a second home, which we truly are. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I'm an investor and I own other beach houses, they just said it was just being an investor is too much risk for them right now on a <laughs> second. And to their credit, Michael, no lender wants to be in second position right now. Sure. Yeah. Lenders didn't want to be in second position before, but especially yep. when you hit a recession and now we're talking about global pandemic, they're really more nervous about the market. And every time there's a major major recession, lending goes crazy I think you and I had talked about, you know, Wells Fargo already pulled HELOCs. They're not doing them even for primaries. I think it's Chase that also pulled out. So HELOCs are getting a little nervous because of of second position Mm -hmm. and the fear that property values could come down a little. So I was disappointed, but I wasn't shocked. Yeah. Said over the weekend and said to my realtor, you know, we could probably salvage the deal, but only if the seller agreed to do a second for 20%. Right. He's like, come on, Ana, can't you put 30% down? And I said, you know, in this market, I said to myself, the only way this is a smoking deal is if I can get in with 10% down. And in this market, I'm not going to put, you know, over $200,000 down on a beach house that I really don't need because I already have a second home. It was kind of a luxury item that if I could make it work the way I wanted to as an investment and a second home, then I'd move forward. So the seller had already said no to a second the first time before we found out that we could have a HELOC. Okay. And we had to go back basically, Michael, Monday and try to negotiate a second mortgage to salvage that deal. Wow. And thankfully, I was able to pull it off, got a second mortgage from the seller, got them to hold uh, 20%, 150000 yeah. and yeah. agree to settle the next day. So we had to quickly... <laughs> Do redo the paperwork, you know, redo the, the title work, um, and wire the money late Monday. You know, yeah. drop everything, go Tuesday to settlement, and you know, then Wednesday got it all ready for renters coming Sunday. So, <laughs> it was a good ending, but boy, was it a roller coaster!
0: Yeah, there's there's lots of lessons I want to make sure we peel apart for other people listening to this. First, the reason you and I've talked about lending changing is because we've experienced it before. Yes, Um, I remember vividly walking into a bank with an 800 credit score, seven figure net worth and six figure income trying to get my next investment loan. And they laughed me out of the bank because we were investors, right? We were the evil people that caused the recession. I'm like, which of my properties exactly is the problem? Because I don't get it, right? Yeah. It was it was pretty crazy. So
1: they'll give a loan still to someone that has one job that they could lose that has just enough money to put it down and no reserves. Yeah. But they're not going to give the loan to somebody that has a net worth that's high. Yeah. And yeah. who has more cash in the bank than what the whole property's worth. Yeah,
0: it was it was, it was bizarre. It was bizarre. But again, banks do this. And you're right. JP Morgan was first. We talked about it. I bet you that's been six weeks now. Wells Fargo is second and actually gone worse. Wells Fargo's really nervous right there. Yeah. They have huge reserves. They just did another $6 billion in Q2 for bad debt. Um, they're all, it's, there's a lot of pain coming. And again, you got to remember banks. Most people think real estate and they think single family homes because that's what you and I experienced. Yeah. But you got to remember these banks have bet, debt on oil and gas they have debt on cars, they have debt on credit cards, they have debt on apartments and retail and office and lots of that stuff's in trouble. So
1: it kind of makes sense, I think. It does, and you know, this is a small credit union and for them, you know, they're not used to really working with investors anyway. I mean, Mm -hmm. they've done a couple of these HELOCs, really normally they do a 10% HELOC, like an Mm. 80, 10, 10. Yes. On someone that's just a second home but not an investor. So it's just where they are in the market. They're, they're skittish about investments. Um, and in the bank's mind, investors are more likely to walk away from a property for that sure. they don't have much money in than someone that owns their primary residence you know, foreclosing. So that's the bank's you know, modus operandi and it's hard for them to go outside their box. So you know, again, it was somebody higher up. And yeah. I mentioned before, you know, in 2009, when the market crashed, I had a four unit that we were actually going to move into. We, we were downsizing to just be safe because AIG was going under and I worked for AIG. And the day of settlement, I had the exact same thing happen. My lender, which was Bank of America, by the way, who <laughs> I used to work for, yeah. pulled the loan the day of settlement. We were there at the table yeah. because they said me working for AIG and having another four unit that my husband practiced in, they didn't believe me I was going to live. In it, and they were afraid i 'd lose my job, yeah. and they have the right up until the moment they wire for someone to pull the plug and so this is the second time in the second recession i 've been through that i 've had a loan pulled with really no reason you know that I could control, but this time i 'm in a much 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 better financial position yeah. than I was in two thousand and nine, and it wasn 't good enough to help me, even with exactly like you said a high net worth, lots of cash in the bank, high credit score, high income. It didn't matter,
0: you know, again, banks are banks, right? They make up the rules. And, uh, as we just heard, they have the right to change them at the last minute. That's, that's just what you sign up for. Right. Uh, And then the other thing that I thought was great in your story is you stayed true to your 10% down. That's all you wanted to commit. That's all you wanted to take. Even though you had seller pressure, agent pressure, and let's not kid ourselves, family pressure, uh, to pull it off. And, and, oh, by the way, you could have stroked the check with 30% down if you had to. Um, so yes. I want to commend you on doing that because that had to be hard. I can only imagine Saturday and Sunday, the family kind of talking about it. And um, I bet you there was some pressure there.
1: A lot. And you know, that's where um, you really, as an investor, have to know your parameters and know your principles and never fall in love with the property. I think we mm. have said that so many times since I got the speech house is I've learned that lesson the hard way and I've done deals I shouldn't have done because of pressure yeah. and thinking, Oh, we're so far in the, along. I can't back out now. And I made it clear to both the, the agent and the seller that for this to go through all these parameters had to work. So I was right. true to upfront saying, yeah. I'm not willing to put 20 or 30% down. If we can make this work, we can. But it, it was a lot of pressure because I felt horrible for the seller. Yeah, They had already had Michael. And this is, this is another lesson in distressed properties and, and opportunity in this market. They were not distressed because they didn't have money or the property was in distress. They were fairly distressed because they already had a different buyer for this property. That buyer was doing a 1031 out of the New York City Strip Center. Uh. Their sale was supposed to go through. And the buyer's sale of his New York City strip center fell through because of COVID. Yep. That made this sale fall through because of COVID. Ouch. And the seller of this property I just bought had just purchased a bigger $2 million beach house. And he couldn't get the loan without selling this property. So he had to jump through all kinds of hoops to reduce his mortgage and his beach mortgage by doing HELOCs instead of mortgages Mm. to get his debt to income ratio. Right. And he just needed to get out of this thing. So because of that, I was able to get him to do the second because he just wanted to sell. But I did have to meet with him an hour before settlement, he and his wife and I let them interview me and grill me and make sure that they were comfortable with my financials and that I was really going to pay. They were very nervous. And I felt very bad, like, how can I do this to this poor seller? Have them have two of these things fall through when I really can put 30% down. I could do it, but I had to make the decision that I, I was, it was only worth it to me. And huh. if I could put 10% down and because I do have to minimize the risk to my family, that this would be my third property in the same beach town during a recession that let's not pretend COVID didn't impact our rental income. It did. Mm -hmm. And so I had to get it for the right price point, the right interest rate, the right money down for it to be a wise decision for us Mm -hmm. and best for my family and for his family. So I'm so thankful we were able to pull off a win-win, but I really thought to the last minute he's probably going to say no and the deal's probably dead. So.
0: Well, that, you know, one thing I want to also commend you on is, is meeting with the seller slash lender right now. Um, yeah. I've done that many times. And uh, frankly, I won't do a private money deal or a seller finance deal, seller finance deal, unless I meet the seller. I want to meet them.
1: Right. Right. You
0: know, I want to know their That's situation. Right? I want to talk we- about all the ins and outs, right? I want to yeah. say you know, one conversation I remember having over lunch, I think he was 81 or 82, and I'm like, just so I know, if you happen to pass away in year seven of a 15-year loan, what do you hope happens, right? Do you want your daughter just to pick up payments and you're good? Do you want me to, you know, offer to pay it off? I mean, what what is your hope here, right? You want to ask those questions because, again, they're doing you a solid, uh, and you should do
1: right by them if you can, so – um Absolutely. And that was part of it. You know, I said to them, I said, in in ideally I know you would not have done this. And I I thank you for this opportunity to create the win win. I had I had written them a letter Mm -hmm. um, that I had my agent give to them about, you know, the situation that I was sorry, that I really wanted to do right by them. Mm -hmm. This was the way that I knew we could we could work it out. And I asked them if if you had your ideal, how quickly would I pay you off? And of course they were like soon. So I explained to them the market and the fact that we don't know what lenders are going to do. And just, this was a perfect example where I would love to be able to close on it and six months from now go to my local bank here and say, Hey, will you give me a HELOC? Mm -hmm. And I told them if I can do that, and it's not a problem to do that, I will pay you off because I know it's important for you to get that money. But I need five years just in case the recession's really bad for two Mm -hmm. and I can't find a lender to do it till, you know, with me till year three. So they appreciated that I was honest with why I wanted the longer term, yep. but that I also cared enough to say, if you need me to pay this off sooner, I give you my word that I'll attempt to do that with every bit that I can through yeah. going through a bank with a decent rate, you know, on a HELOC.
0: That's awesome. It just, show, uh, just shows how good of a person you are. And again, I think five years would have been the s- shortest term I would have accepted, right? You just don't know. Right. You just don't know. So uh, that's pretty awesome. So I want to go to your Facebook post because you put out some great stuff. People need to follow you or friend you or whatever that is. But there were two things you put out, I think today. Yeah. This first one was four hours ago. And it was someone asked me, What does success mean to me? So I want to read it and then let's talk about it. Success is doing exactly what you were created to do, doing it with all you have and doing it a way that makes enough money to provide time, freedom, which allows you to live the life you imagine with joy pretty powerful thank you what, 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 I,
1: I've been learning
0: <laughs> so let's talk about it because that probably would not have been your answer two years ago I'm guessing.
1: I think it would have been my answer two oh. years ago but I didn't know how to get there ah. if if that's yeah you know makes sense so okay. um, I, the reason I started in real estate and worked so hard was because I knew I wanted to be home with my babies. I -hmm. wanted to have my time to be able to enjoy them and make memories with them and not worry about financial stress. Yep. But the only way that I could do that, because I started out, you know, I started out in real estate years ago, but in 2009, when I almost lost everything, you know, entrepreneur wise with my husband's business, AIG, my retirement funds. I essentially was starting out over with nothing. Yeah. And so I didn't have the financial means to just stop working and, and just enjoy my family. So I had to, to spend a lot of time to do what I was created to do to, to be able to have that time freedom. And for several years, I had no time freedom in the gruel and the rot, grind to try to get enough money that would create the time freedom. And because of that, even though I'm a joyful person in general and I'm a very content person, I was stressed a lot because I was yeah. working 70, 80 hours a week for a decade. So by the time I retired, it's like, oh, I, now what do I do with myself? And how do I now enjoy what I've worked so hard for but still don't give up on what I'm created to do, and which is more than – Um, while my kids are in school, let me sit back and watch TV and eat bonbons, you know? So I've had to figure out where where I started out, Michael, to be home with my kids while they were little. It didn't work out for me. So by the time I got to retire, my kids were already in school. So it took a lot of self-reflection to say, now that my daytime hours are my own, and now that I don't rely on a job anymore for our financial security, how can I do what I'm created to do And do I even know what I'm created to do and how do I do it in a balanced way that allows me not to work too many hours just because I'm driven or want a little more money, Mm -hmm. but to be able to have joy and really put limits on my time to say the moment my kids are home, I'm all in wife and mom. I'm not working unless it's urgent and then give it all I got during the day to create a lifestyle that allows me to do whatever I want, whenever I want and to have more joy because I have more time for the other things that are important.
0: Yeah. So actually, it was a
1: journey to that.
0: Yeah. It's funny The most powerful words in the, in that entire sentence. Yeah. Sentence are the last two for me. It's with joy. Yes. Um, Cause I think a lot of people kind of get the time and the opportunity and all of that, but they miss the joy part. And, yes. I saw a little bit of that in you, kind of that first six months, right? Where you're retired, you're enjoying it, you're thinking about doing all these extra things and you're still working eighty hours a week. And I I looked at you and I'm like, I'm not sure I see joy. We never had that conversation, but thinking back, I'm like, Where's the joy? And then you go do this long road trip with your family and the joy starts coming back. So very very
1: And we said at the beginning of this year, you know, when we did our goals together and we said, Hey, what do we want to do? It's like this year is a, a year about creating joy and, yeah. and balance. And yes, there's been a lot of stress and a lot of things that have come up that we can't control. And if you would have asked me what, you know, March through this month was <laughs> going to look like, it was 100% different. Yes. Have I had to work a lot of 16 hour days to get through COVID with my complexes? Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm also taking time, you know, I've taken six weeks basically to spend at the beach and go to yeah. Texas and have fun. Um, you know, I've hired out some of the things I was doing myself and let that go to free up some time. So I'm, I'm starting to give myself permission to do less and to just enjoy downtime, mm-hmm. figuring out what do I really want to do that does bring me joy. And, and sometimes it takes us a while to figure that out, especially when we've just been used to being a high achiever our entire lives.
0: Yeah. I have seen in you the last four show, shows more joy.
1: more peace,
0: more joy. Um, it, whatever you're doing, it's working. Thank Uh, you. Not and clearly you're busy and you're doing great things, but truly joy. Um, I can see it. So thank
1: you. I appreciate
0: that. You got it. The other one I want to talk about was your REI mom golden nugget. Um, from this morning, it says, surround yourself with successful people who are doing what you want to do, get to know them and ask their most valuable lessons learned Then take time to digest their advice and determine how to apply it to your business. We will uh, be most successful when we leverage and act upon the wisdom and experience of others. Wow. There's Absolutely. a lot in that.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So how do you break that one down? Cause again, there's so much in that, that somebody should, somebody should rewind that plate again, but you know, how should people take that advice you think?
1: Sure. I think Michael, um, people tend, a lot of people tend to, want to do everything on their own. Mm-hmm. They're afraid to partner with people. They're afraid to trust people. Um, they don't, Or they don't want advice from anyone else. They think they got this and there's some pride there. And I think either being a Lone Ranger because of fear or because of pride can really derail you from the growth that might lie ahead if you took some time to spend with other people to learn from them and to learn their mistakes and to learn from their mistakes so that you can do things in a, a way that you don't have to experience those same things. Mm-hmm. So when you surround yourself with other people who have done what you want to do and don't be afraid to ask them, you know, what, what is your advice? What is the best wisdom you can give me to avoid, you know, disappointment or, or screwing this thing up? Um, you, you can gain the wisdom from others that you might not have otherwise gained through experience. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, um, and especially now with COVID, with people being at home and not, you know, getting out, um, I don't see some people really taking the time to spend with other people mm. and, you know, to try to leverage their wisdom um, and then use that to, to springboard, you know, what they need to do.
0: Uh, hopefully, I can get a couple of examples out of you. One, maybe from your students or your mentorees. Like, what's one thing you hope they take from you? And then maybe, and you can do these in any order, something you've taken from someone else.
1: Sure. So, you know, with with my students, I really try to tell them um, things to be careful of. And one of the things, just for example, is this whole kind of goes with the theme of joy the whole 10x rah rah drive, 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 no excuses. If you want to do deals, do deals work 60, 70, 80 hours a week, do what it takes to, to always be full throttle 10 X. And the reality is I've lived that for years and yes, I was a super high achiever, but did I No. did I want it? Yes. So sometimes it's better instead of trying to 10 X everything and set these, you know, big, hairy, audacious goals just for the sake of having a big, hairy, audacious goal, we should say, why don't I set goals more strategically in a way that gives me not only financial success or business success, but personal growth and personal joy and personal success. And so that's one thing that I've you know, try to instill is, is don't be unrealistic with yourself and spend so much time chasing your goals that you neglect other things that are important.
0: I I hope all students and all viewers of this take that. Cause I do think um, a lot of, I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's, it's I don't know. I, I guess it's attractive to think work hard and magic happens and it doesn't I, I, I've worked you know sixty eight hours a week for a long time, and I've seen other people try to do it. And if you don't, just working hard means nothing. Right. Working smart is where it's at, and knowing what that goal is. And yeah, I agree with you. Having a big, audacious goal might sound good, might you know check a box somewhere, but unless you can tell me how you can get from you know first base to second base or second to third, you know you don't you don't score a grand slam to use a baseball analogy without three people on base first. So.
1: Right, and I think you know you can work hard and strategically, mm-hmm. but don't get caught up that if you just work a little hard and a little longer, then suddenly you know yeah. the next day it's going to be it's going to be better so I, I think that you've got to to look at making sure that you are not a slave to the pursuit of financial freedom, mm-hmm. you know really a, a slave of your time to that pursuit, but instead pursue financial freedom around the vision of your life that you've already created live the life now that you, that you think you can't live until you have X number of dollars. Yeah. Just figure out how to creatively do it. So for example, and you know, if you want to work, work, work hard till you can afford a boat, why not work hard and strategically, but go rent a boat for the weekend, go boating, enjoy your family, make memories instead of waiting to someday in two years after I work 80 hours a week, I'm going to buy a boat. There you go. So it's things, it, that's just an example of what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. And again, something that I've put out there a lot lately. And it, I'm sure you see this. I see it. I have seen it a lot. I go tell the one rental at a time story. I used to tell it ending with, hey, we have nearly 200 units. And that would always get a big, rah, yay. But then when they go to the car, I would see them say something like, wow, good for them. We could never do it. That's too many. And I was like, shoot, I just wasted an hour. I don't get it. You know, I'm not here to get applause. I'm here to try to help, you know, inspire 10, 20, 30 of you to do something. Right. That's what I'm trying to do. Go learn your market. So that's why I talk about four.
1: I always talk about four today. Just get four. Let's go. Yeah. Absolutely. And something I've learned, there's, there's two things that I've I heard that just always resonated with me and and that helped me. The first was never, ever, 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 ever give up. Yeah. You know, you, you have a goal life is going to get hard and it's going to kick you down. And whether it's you have a goal to take down the beach house or whether it's a goal that you want to get home with and retire and be home with your kids, like you have to determine that it doesn't matter. There's no excuses. There's no nothing. If if you really want something, you just have to never give up and figure it out. That's so, nice. you know, I think that's important. And also, you know, something that really resonated me with me, especially in a in a multifamily space where there's lots and lots and lots of people that want to do deals with you all the time mm-hmm. is never do a great deal with the bad guy. Oh. If you have Any reluctance about someone's character, their integrity, the way they treat people just don't do a deal with them.
0: Yeah. Don't
1: go into business with, or do a deal with someone that you do not believe is, is just a good guy, a good girl, a good, yeah. a good person. Yeah, so that's I, I think I people. Think that's
0: leave- People need to hear that. I say the same thing about turnkey and syndications. I'm get I get lots of people asking about turnkey and other states because California's expensive, and I'm like, don't look at the state or the city. If you're gonna trust somebody, you need to go vet them. Yes. Like hard. Yes. And if you have any apprehension, go somewhere else because yes. a evil or bad or dishonest person can make a great city horrible. Um, Absolutely. So. so. Yeah, I like that. So, would that be advice that you took from someone else in your circle, or do you have another pearl of wisdom that uh, you got from somebody uh, in in your circle?
1: Yeah, that's that's advice and wisdom that I got from somebody in my circle. I figured
0: (laughs) that's a good one. I mean, that's that's, and you can take that lots of different directions. If you're going to partner up, spend time or money. uh, If you have any apprehension, just don't do it.
1: Don't do it. No money is worth the headache that comes from doing a deal with someone that you shouldn't do a deal with. Yeah, totally get it. So as we wrap this
0: up, I want to talk about the excitement the family had once you got the keys. I want to close on a high note. Tell me about what happened when you got the keys. Husband, kids, you, what happened?
1: Well, truth be told, I went by myself. Of course you did. (laughs) I had to. I was like, I should not be spending the first night in my new beach house that my whole family wanted all alone. But I did. So my son had had this soccer camp with a bunch of college coaches, scouts that were there that he had been looking forward to all this time. So my husband had to take him. Oh. Daughter started back to gymnastics. So I'm like, okay, I'm driving to Maryland. So I got the key. I had about 30 minutes to just sit down and admire the, the view of the water. So that was really nice. Just sat on my porch and watched the water and went, this is really nice. nice. I, can, I can come here when I'm stressed and just enjoy it. Nice. And then I had agreed to do, um, an invest her webinar that night. So I ran to my realtor's office to use his office for a few hours to I do a that. class. Yeah. And he gave me the gift of a nice bottle of wine. And I said, I, I don't drink very often. I have a glass of wine on occasion, but I said, you know, it's quiet. There was a <laughs> thunderstorm starting. I said, I'm just going to sit in quiet for an hour by myself Look at my nice beach house and the electrical storm, and have a glass of wine and relax good and for that's you. what I did the first night of my beach house. I
0: am so happy for you <laughs> that is awesome. So when do you think the family gets to enjoy it together the so
1: first time. You know, this is again, it's timing, so yes. this is a long term plan. Um, we already had a tenant lined up for this Sunday for two full weeks, which oh. is amazing. Yeah, but my kids start next week two a day sports, and so basically, until school starts, we might have two weekends maybe to run down to the beach and enjoy it, but we'll do it. I don't care. oh if it's yeah fun, you funny morning we'll go. So a couple weekends later this month, I hope to go. And then depending on what happens with athletics and whether they can actually play sports will really dictate how often we can go, you know, for the rest of the year. Uh, But we'll definitely go for weekend trips. And that's the beauty of having a second home is you're not going to use it all the time. But every time you can, it's like, hey, let's let's go. go enjoy some good food. Let's go use the indoor pool, use the spa enjoy the waves and, and just go relax. And so it's just a place we can go anytime we want to really.
0: I'm so happy for you. And again, I see joy uh, oozing from you here. So congratulations. I wish you nothing but the best. And thank you for giving us some time Friday evening.
1: Thank you so much. It's always my pleasure.
0: You got it.